Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknet. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the book, The Migraine Miracle. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom without pills. Let's get started. Howdy, Beast Slayers. Welcome to another episode of The Migraine Miracle Moment. In today's episode, I will be answering three questions from a recent clinic chat live discussion. The first question is, when fasting, does coffee or tea break a fast? That's a question we've gotten a few times over the years. Uh, Number two, when taking pain relief for another issue, not headaches, will it contribute to rebound? Also a really important question. And number three, why do migraines occur only on one side or the other? Again, these are all questions from a recent uh, clinic chat live discussion with our Migraine Neverland members, which we do regularly over Zoom. If you are interested in taking part in these live sessions, as well as being able to submit questions of your own, then you can learn more about becoming a member at MyMigraineMiracle.com. Along with being able to attend all of our clinic chat live sessions and view all of the replay videos, there's a whole host of other resources there for helping you put the Migraine Miracle Program into action to slay the beast once and for all. And speaking of members slaying the beast once and for all, I'm going to share a recent success story that a uh, longtime Migraine Neverland member, Dave, Uh, sent to us recently. It's uh, a longer one, but well worth it. Um, He says, approximately a year ago in February of 2021, I was really struggling with rebound headaches caused by overuse of abortive medications. At that time, I was using dihydroergotamine nasal spray. In the months leading up to February 2021, I was using the nasal spray at least 10 to 15 times a month on average. I was also taking gabapentin nightly as a preventative medication. Through reading your materials, going through the Beast Slayer Training Academy, along with your coaching and encouragement, I was able to begin the process of getting off abortive and preventative medications. It was a slow process, and it took several months to stabilize and repair the damage caused in my brain by the habitual use of abortive medications over 20-plus years. I am happy to report that one of the most effective items that you suggested that I employ, the habit tracker, was crucial to my success in getting off abortive and preventative medications. By charting in the habit tracker my daily progress of not taking abortive medications, I was able to build a strong habit. I recently reached my one-year goal of not taking any abortive medications. With your help, I also successfully weaned off gabapentin as a preventative medication. Looking back over this past year, I can hardly believe I no longer take any abortive or preventative medications. They were such a part of my daily life that to not take them is astounding to me. At this point, I feel like I am in phase three. My brain has likely healed from the bulk of the damage from the migraine drugs. I am employing many of the techniques that you have endorsed, including keto diet, intermittent fasting, regular physical activity, and better sleep habits. I still struggle with occasional migraines, but manage them through use of an ice headache hat, starve and sink approach, and fasting. I know I still have to continue to strengthen the three pillars of protection against the beast, but have made significant progress. 
Changing my diet has been the hardest component of this process. I want to thank you and Jenny for all your help this past year and look forward to continuing the refining process so that I can hopefully get to phase four, optimize and truly enjoy migraine freedom. So thanks again to Dave for sharing that awesome story. Um, one of the things he mentions there is the Habit Tracker, which is an app that we use with our members. As many of you know, the Migraine Miracle Program is about continually adding new habits and behaviors that strengthen protection against the beast, uh, ones that you'll never hear about from a migraine doctor, and that improve overall health and quality of life in so many different ways. And uh, we utilize the science of habits to help make that process as effective as possible. In fact, um, last year, we did an entire 30-day challenge all about forming habits uh, and the science behind it. And the power of the Migraine Miracle Program isn't from any one thing, but rather from all of the things acting in combination, which is why... Um, Results continue to get better and better over time, as Dave has experienced, which is the exact polar opposite of what happens to people in traditional with traditional migraine treatment. Um, again, uh, it's worth pointing out that he was miserable and desperate um, when on the standard of care pharmaceutical treatments for migraine and is now doing better than he ever imagined off of them altogether. Again, these kind of results, which we now see day in and day out, wouldn't be possible if those migraine drugs were helping the underlying condition. All right, well, thanks again, Dave. Um, we are so thrilled with your success, and uh, I know how much hard work you put into uh, achieving it. And now I'm going to read a recent podcast review. Uh, this is our way of thanking our listeners uh, who we appreciate so much, uh, especially uh, those of you who are kind enough to take the time to leave a review. And so uh, any new reviews uh, we will read out loud here on the podcast. This one is from GT1944W, <laughs> who says, Fantastic, a must-listen for migraineurs. My only regret is that it didn't come out sooner. Would have saved me 30 years of agony. Uh, yes, we can relate. But better late than never, right? Um, and speaking of uh, podcast listeners, uh, to check out our latest promotions for uh, you guys, uh, head to my migraine miracle forward slash moment to see what uh, current promotions are. Okay, and now without further delay, here is the excerpt from our recent clinic chat live. This is a question from Rebecca. We get it a lot, but I figured I'd, I'd answer it here. Um, so she asked, one of my goals is to stick to time-restricted eating, but I'm unsure about a few things. Does coffee break a fast if you drink it before your first meal? And is drinking herbal tea okay at night after your eating window has closed? So this comes up a lot. Um, people are trying to implement time-restricted eating. Uh, for various reasons, sometimes to try to help accelerate fat adaptation, get into ketosis, and the question is, does, a co does coffee break a fast? And um, so there are the, the primary uh, answer here depends on what your goals are with, the fa with fasting. And in this case, we're mainly talking about wanting to stimulate fat adaptation. Um, and in that scenario, uh, coffee teas don't seem to be an issue. There are other possible benefits with fasting that they could conceivably um, 
inhibit in some way. Uh, but for, for our purposes, um, that's, it doesn't seem to be, it's unlikely to be an issue. And that's because the main thing that we're trying to avoid, uh, during that fasting interval is stimulation of insulin release. And that's going to be, um, driven by, um, first and foremost carbohydrates that we eat and then behind that proteins. So, you know, coffee black is not going to have either, um, herbal tea is not going to have either, you know, this is assuming you're not adding sugar. Um, and then even if you add in cream, as long as it's full fat cream, um, typically it's not going to affect, um, insulin levels. So, uh, those things shouldn't, uh, materially impact, uh, fasting or, or undermine our goals with it. Now there are, as we've talked about before, therapeutic fasts that people undergo for more extended periods of time that may have different goals. And there may be, you know, theoretically some reasons why you would avoid it during those, but for our purposes here, um, I don't think it's a significant concern. Deb asked about, this is a question about medications and rebound. If you injure yourself and require pain control, um, will this still put you at as high risk for rebound compared to treating your migraine with meds? Um, what was that then? Uh, oh, that was, sorry. That was from Julie. Um, so, uh, uh, it, we've, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Um, but I figured I'd, uh, just go review it here. Um, it does appear. So it's, this is one of those things that we don't really have studies on it. So this is just clinical experience, um, and sort of educated guessing. Um, but it, it, in my experience, it unfortunately, uh, does appear to be, uh, or it is, it is an issue whether or not, uh, it takes sort of more, uh, to get into problem territory when you're using something for pain relief versus a migraine, um, could be true, but it certainly does, uh, seem to have the same kind of impact. So even if, so basically here, if you're taking a, you know, a medication for, uh, uh, an injured, you know, knee or post-surgery or something like that. Um, you can still run into the problem with that then triggering, um, rebound. Um, this certainly has been most significant in my clinical experience with, uh, opiates. So commonly prescribed, you know, after significant trauma or surgery, and then people end up with uh, getting stuck in rebound headaches with that, having not had them, um, previously. So, um, so personally, you know, I try to minimize, um, taking things for, you know, pain relief. Um, but if I do, and, and generally speaking also, you know, if you have a trauma or injury, um, the inflammation that you're getting, that's causing the pain is, is there for it's actually serving a purpose. So you do want to, there is reason to want to kind of not suppress that too much. Next question was, do you know why migraines on my right side of my face are so much worse than on my left? I usually get a migraine on my left side and exercise will get rid of it. About 15% of the other times it's on my right side and it's a whole other beast, uh, much more painful, more nausea. And then there was another question related to this. Uh, the, the whole unilateral phenomenon of migraines vexes me. Which side will it be this time? And any thoughts what the determining reasons for an attack occurring on a specific side would be? 
So regarding the first question of, of having an asymmetry with respect to the migraines, you know, one, one side sort of being different in character, whether or not that's accompanied by different symptoms or more intense or whatever. It is, you know, of course, experiencing uh, migraines on one side, it's very common. Having them consistently different uh, in character, depending on the side, is less so. That would usually be one of the things that would prompt a neurologist to do a scan to just ensure that there wasn't some structural reason for that. But assuming that was fine and assuming we're dealing with migraines and not some other cause um, of the headaches, the, the simple answer is no, we don't understand um, why they'd be different uh, on one side versus another. Of course, uh, we could speculate a little bit. So as you know, the pain of migraines is by definition um, one-sided. And so that's an indication that for whatever reason, the migraine process tends to only happen on one, one side of the brain at a time, or specifically one side of the, the brain stem where the migraine uh, pain is generated. And I think it's most likely that's what, what's happening there, the reason that it's one-sided is that the process occurring on one side is actually suppressing it on the other side. And the reason I think that's most likely is because it's so common for migraines to switch sides. Um, so you have, you know, one side, the pain kind of goes away, the process kind of burns out on that side of the, the brainstem, and then it removes that other side from the suppressive influence. So now that that other side's turned off, the other one starts up because it was previously being suppressed. Um, so it's entirely possible that over time, since you have these kind of two independent areas that can generate the symptoms, that those parts of the brain could diverge in certain ways, you know, down to the, the molecular level and the neurotransmitters and all that sort of stuff, the amount of inflammation, and that can cause the expression of a migraine to differ depending on which of those sides gets triggered, which, you know, again, that may be, that may account for the differences how and how those are experienced. And then the second question of, you know, determining the, what are the determining factors for which side it actually is in a given migraine? Again, we don't know the answer to that question. It's possible that when the migraine process kind of moves into the pain phase that there's some critical threshold that's reached whereby one side of the the brainstem that's the part that generates the pain part there the one side reaches kind of some critical threshold first and then after that's reached it becomes the side uh, and then it ends up suppressing the other one and then you know beyond that we know that there's definitely a kindling effect when it comes to migraines. And by that, I mean, having one makes you more prone to having another one. And that may well apply to having one on one side makes you having more prone to having another one on one side. In fact, you know, commonly in my clinical experience, I'll have people come in and say, you know, they used to always be on my left side and now they've switched. Not only do migraines themselves tend to cluster because of this kindling effect that, that migraines beget migraines, but that also may apply to the sides themselves. Um, so in other words, if you have two in a row on one side, you might be more, you know, increasingly likely to have the next one on the same side. Why it ultimately does that and, and, and all of the sort of underlying factors that drive these different things 
are likely um, extraordinarily complex. And uh, this is, you know, one of the joys of dealing with a complex system like human neurophysiology, where it's likely that um, some of these questions we don't know may not even be knowable, but we can kind of uh, speculate about what's going on based on the things that we do know. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Miracle Moment. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player of choice. And if you know any fellow migraine sufferers, please feel free to share it with them as well. And now it's time to go out and slay the beast. Mm -hmm.